Hey, thank you for tuning in to our podcast. We believe that this message is going to empower you and encourage you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. We hope you enjoy. So I want to share something with you that uh, you, you'll find as you read this book, but it was really challenging for me. I said, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to share? And the Holy Spirit inspired me and challenged me to share something that I think is the hardest meatiest um, challenging aspect of the book and I was like whoa Holy Spirit please let me give something a little bit easier something that that uh, you know we can start off but I see that everything that everyone has been sharing has led up unto this point. Amen. It's like the climax of first seeing Marco and, and Pastor Tulio sharing, and mainly Marco, he was sharing about the intimacy with Jesus. I want you guys to realize that is honestly what it is all about. It is all about intimacy with Christ. We're going to share something practical, but I don't want you guys to think that this is a formula. Please give me the grace to Look over this yourself and, and challenge the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, take me on this journey. I want to understand what it is to be an evangelist, the privilege and also the responsibility. You got the privilege, but you also have the responsibility. It's two in one. So we're just going to get into it. I'm going to pray because my words have no power, but the Holy Spirit's in this place. Holy Spirit, we invite in your sweet presence. Jesus, we believe that this is an opportunity to become a witness, to grow in our evangelistic outreach, mainly in our passion and our understanding of how to reach people, Jesus. We are living in the final days. And Holy Spirit, we know that Jesus is going to return soon. And you called us to be this last generation. I see Jesus. We all see the, the corruption, the, the chaos, the darkness is trying to grow. But wherever there is darkness, light will shine brighter. And your word says that the gates of hell will not prevail against your church. That means that we are on the offense, Jesus. That means that we are the one who takes ground. We are the one who establishes your kingdom. And Holy Spirit, we need your fire. We need your zeal. We need your passion. We need your revelation. Holy Spirit, I want to bless my brothers and sisters, Holy Spirit. And I pray that you open their hearts. Teach us today, Holy Spirit. Let us have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And Holy Spirit, we know that the gospel is the only thing that can change. And I believe, God, that we have a revelation. We are growing in the revelation of the gospel. But Holy Spirit, we want the whole counsel of God. We want the whole counsel, Jesus. We don't want to sugarcoat our message. We don't want to water down the message. We want to be authentic. We want to be genuine. And most importantly, we want to be obedient and faithful stewards. And we trust in you, Jesus. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have freedom, Holy Spirit. Amen. So we're going to go right into the word. And... This is going to be a lot of verses, so I hope you guys like the Bible. It's kind of why you're here, right? So Psalms 90, verse 12. Can you guys read this with me? I'm going to go on the count of three. One, two, three. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Who here wants a heart of wisdom? I want a heart of wisdom. I need a heart of wisdom. But, you know, the Bible actually tells us what is it to be wise. In Psalms 90, verse 12, Let's go back. Next verse, we're going to go to Proverbs 11.30. It says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Not he who has the best finances, not he who has the best career, not he who has everything else put together, but true wisdom is, is, is winning souls, is reaching people, is being passionate about the loss. And honestly, this is something that doesn't just come to us naturally. We need the Holy Spirit to convict our hearts. We need the love of God. We need the compassion of Jesus. Amen. 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 I hope you guys are hyped. I'm super excited. So, <laughs> 
I've been praying about this message, and you know, one thing that I feel like is that we, we sometimes can allow the devil to trick us into thinking that only certain people are called to evangelism. I don't know if you guys ever had that, that um, idea where someone says, you know, you're called, I'm not, I stay here, you go. I'll pray for you, though, but you go, you know? And the truth is, is I want to define what it is to be an evangelist, because if you know what it is to be an evangelist, guess what? All of our excuses are removed. So what is an evangelist? In the Greek, the word evangelist means to be a bringer of good news. Amen. So who here has good news? Amen. So you are called to evangelism. You don't need a doctorate of theology. You don't need an outgoing personality. You don't need to have the whole Bible figured out. What you need is good news. And if you have good news, you are called to be an evangelist. So this year completely changed my life as well as everybody else. Uh, primarily COVID came and shut things down. It was unexpected. We realized very quickly how this fallen world is not trusting. You know, we can't put our confidence in the economy, in our jobs, in anything but Christ. You know, Christ is the only one who won't fail us. But I, I was working at this uh, really cool place. It was in a, a senior living home. And uh, I was working with elderly people. My mom had me at like 17. My grandma's like six in the 60s. So I don't even know anybody who is, you know, in their 90s. But man, I was meeting people who were 102 years old. I was like, Jesus, I can't tell these people that God has a wonderful plan for their life. Their life is over. You know, it didn't make sense. I was like, hey, God loves you so much. He has a wonderful plan for your bingo night. You have fun at bingo, you know, karaoke. And, and they did not compromise their happy hour. They were turned. You know, it was really easy to work there because they got the same breakfast every day. Scrambled eggs, two eggs, cheese. Like, they had to tell me, like, every day, like, as if I didn't know. Same thing, you know, every day. Uh, very consistent people. And uh, they're awesome, you know. I learned a lot with them. A lot of them had really cool stories. I met a lot of believers there, but I also met people who did not know Christ. And God graciously used me in, in a few cases where I was able to lead some people to the Lord. Not all, but very few. But I was trying to grow in my understanding of the gospel. And it wasn't until somebody that I was actually close with, uh, a, a really precious lady, she was so sweet, she was losing her memory. So she began to forget who I was after I was there for about a, a month. She didn't even know who I was. And it was really sad. And then one day I went to work and she had passed. And for me, this was something that changed my, my life, really, because I didn't know too many people who were passing. Um, and I want to give you guys some facts. Do you guys know how many people pass away every day? 154,000 people every day, 154,000. So it's 600 every minute, 6,000 every hour, 154,000 every day, 54 million people every year. So if you share the gospel with somebody and they don't, and they don't believe, there are a lot more people. 54 million people every year. And look, this message, like I said, it's a, it's a meaty message, but we need the Holy Spirit, we need the truth, because the Bible says what will set you free? The truth. The truth will set you free. So I don't want to sugarcoat with you guys. We have been given this privilege, but also this responsibility. So it was, it was powerful because I needed more understanding. Holy Spirit, I needed more revelation. I was praying, Holy Spirit, give me more, more revelation. Because the apostles, you know, I actually never saw the apostles telling anybody, Jesus loves you. I never taught to non-believers. To the church, they would say God has a plan for your life, but to non-believers, they would warn them of coming judgment, of the wrath to come. And honestly, we, in our, in our church setting, we are full of grace. We are full of truth. We are full of life. We have the fruits of the Spirit. But sometimes, if we're not careful, we can use the fruits of the Spirit as a drawing card to lead people to Christ 
And yet, if they come to Christ for what they can get from him, but yet they're given what? Trials, tribulation, and persecution. So look, I'm not saying that the gospel is not good news. It is the good news. But we want people to have a repentant heart because it's actually crazy. Within um, conference settings, obviously we're all family here, but in like these Billy Graham conference settings, it was, I think it was only like less than 10%. It was like 8% who actually connected to a local church. And out of that, it was less than half of that that actually continued to walk with the Lord. So we don't want this uh, glamorous message. We want... A, a content that is real, that is true, that warns people about hell, that teaches people about heaven. And this is what Jesus did. Uh, Jesus talked about hell more than anyone else in the Bible. Now, I'm not this fire and brimstone preacher, trust me. But I want you guys to realize that there is a method that Jesus used to reach the lost. And it was awesome because Pastor Raph was touching on this today. The rich young ruler, what is one thing that he said? He said, good teacher, what must I do? to inherit eternal life. He was playing on the assumption that he could do something. And honestly, this is what every other religion is trying to do. They are trying to earn their salvation. But we are the only faith that has been given it as a gift. Something that's so crazy. And, you know, in the flesh, everybody honestly will want to work their way to, to be saved. So it's not that it's, Jesus never condemned the man for that, but he told him, if you want to be saved, keep the commandments, which is something that's so strange because he could have just said, believe in me. But the reason that he did that was because the guy didn't understand what good meant. So there's actually 39 different definitions of good. But God's standard of good is moral perfection and thought, word, and deed. None of us can meet that. That's why we trust in Christ. That's why we cling to the cross. That's why we need the blood of Jesus. Amen. I hope it's making sense. So let's go to 1 Timothy 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 15. It says, the saying, why did Jesus come? The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. I love that Apostle Paul did that. He said it's worthy of full acceptance, not half-heartedness, that Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Amen. It's interesting because sometimes we want to bring people to uh, come to a Sunday service, but just being honest, it's almost like trying to get a criminal to come to jail. They're not going to want to come. You can say, hey, look, we got good carpet. We can have a police rock band. You know, we can have everything. But even the sign that says, you know, welcome at 7 p.m., everybody come, free food. Maybe the free food will get them. That's what gets a lot of people. We need, you know, free food. But the truth is, is that in their conscience, they're condemned. And a lot of times, they think that God is angry at them. So why can they come to church if they think that they're, if they know they're guilty, their conscience actually convicts them because God wrote his law on our hearts. So they may not want to come to a church, but guess what? If you go to them, they will listen to what you have to say. Now, we, we believe in life groups, and a life group is the best way to evangelize. But I want to teach you guys, for those that don't want to come to your life group, there is a way for you to lead these people to the Lord. Amen. And I've met hundreds of people that I've been able to share the gospel with that never would come to the building, never come to a life group at first. But if you are bold and, and loving, doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. doesn't mean you won't get nervous. doesn't mean that you're going to have questions. But if you step out in faith, the Holy Spirit will use you. Amen. Amen. So this is, this is actually a, an example that I really like. First, we're going to go here to Psalms 19, verse 7. So this is in your Bible. Okay. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect for what? Converting the soul. Amen. I want you guys to think about that. The law of the Lord is perfect for what? Converting the soul. 
The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise is simple. So I want to give you guys an example uh, how it would be in civil law. So imagine if I came to you and I said, hey, look, I got some good news for you. Someone just paid a $20,000 speeding fine for you. You would probably look at me like I was crazy. You say, $20,000, bro? Are you crazy? That's like two bitcoins. You'd be like, I don't, I'm not paying no $20,000 speeding fine. I don't even have a $20,000 speeding fine. It wouldn't make sense to them. That person's probably going to get offended and confused, and they're going to think you're foolish. Now, imagine, though, if I came to them and said, hey, look, while you were on your way to a meeting, you were clocked driving 55 miles per hour in a 15-mile-per-hour zone. There were 10 clear signs that told you to, to slow down because it was a convention for a blind children's conference or for a blind children's convention. Now, that's a whole nother scenario. Now that person is going to realize that they broke the law. And the good news that someone stepped in and paid your fine will actually make sense. So in this particular situation, we see that... When these 10 clear warning signs, which is actually the Ten Commandments, shows us that, that we have broken God's law, we will appreciate and appropriate the death of our Savior. But I want to show you what the, what the Bible teaches about 1 Corinthians 1.18. This blew my mind, and this is what the Holy Spirit began to speak to me about this year. The Bible says this, it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So my question to the Holy Spirit was, Holy Spirit, how is it the same message that saved us, transformed us, forgave us, empowered us, radically changed everything about us, has other people offended and thinking it's foolishness? Well, let's go back to that particular example. You know, until someone realizes why someone paid the price for them, they're going to think that it's offensive, and that's the truth. Now, like I said in the beginning, this is primarily for evangelism. But if you've ever been to an impact, I'm sure you've had this experience too. Amen. But the truth is, is that God's law is like a mirror. It doesn't clean you, but it shows you your need to be clean. Amen. Now, the key with this is it's not a formula. You need to be led by the Holy Spirit. There were many times when Jesus, for example, Nicodemus came to Jesus. Sometimes we think that he was afraid to be seen, but I really believe that Nicodemus was looking for an intimate encounter with Christ, and the only reason that he could have that was because everybody else was asleep. Nicodemus was up all night. Man, I need to meet this Jesus. I know you came from God, he said. For the works that you do, you have to be from God. But what did he say? Jesus didn't say anything about the law. He just said, you must be born again. Amen. He gave John 3.16, you must be born again. But Nicodemus was a teacher of the law. He already knew the law. But we live in the generation, trust me, I'm a college student. Um, I talk to many people and they, right now, the, the primary philosophy that is running rampant is something called relativism. Do you guys know anything about relativism? Basically, it's you believe what you believe, I believe what I believe, and we're both right. And you can hear that in one of the, the arguments, I would say that people say all roads lead to heaven. But that's impossible because they're all going different directions. So 
the truth is, like I was saying before, that we need the true gospel and we need the, the preparation for the soil. If you look at the parable of the sower and the seed, it talks about falling on good soil. So the law is this plow that comes so the good seed of the gospel can have roots and produce fruit. 30, 60, 100 fold. Look, the law does not save you. In fact, it shows you your need to be saved. The law will not forgive you. It shows you your need for forgiveness. So we're not saved by the law. It just leaves us helpless. But God's grace by faith can save those who know that they need to be saved. Amen. Remember, this is evangelism and it's not a formula, but I want to give you guys a key that I've been able to use and see true results. See people actually have this conviction of sin. And that's what the Bible says. It says the Holy Spirit comes to convict the world of what? Sin righteousness and judgment but sometimes in evangelism this is the last thing that we want to talk about amen so i want to give you guys a, a another scenario that i really like as well um this one's really powerful um and it's practical as well so try to close your eyes and think about this for a second imagine if you were on a plane and this guy came up to you and said hey i got i got something for you it's a parachute i want you to put it on so the first guy he told him this he said put on the parachute so you can have a better flight then to the second person he said hey put on this parachute because the plane's going to go down in less than 10 minutes and i want you to prepare for the jump that's going to come now the first guy puts it on immediately he slumps down he's like dang this parachute's heavy he becomes uncomfortable you know he even finds it difficult to sit upright within only a few minutes people begin to look at him mock him saying dang who's this crazy dude with this parachute on the plane like what's going on everyone starts to laugh at him and then before you know it he decided whoa i'm not putting on this parachute he slumps down in his seat takes off the parachute but guess what the plane was still going to go down amen the second guy when he put on the parachute he was not thinking about the uncomfort he was so grateful and thankful for the person who gave him the parachute because he had knowledge that the plane was going to go down so he was preparing himself for the crash. Now, for this man, he was now able to appropriate the parachute. Amen. That was his motive. The first person solely to improve his flight. The second person solely to escape the jump to come. Now, in the modern gospel, we can tell somebody, hey, Jesus is coming to give you a better life on this earth. But I want to challenge you guys and think about this. In some nations where they face persecution, you know, this gospel would not make sense to them. And it's, that means it's not the same gospel because the gospel should be applicable everywhere. Does God want to bless us and, and empower us and give us good things? Of course, he's our father. But in evangelism, people are already doing pretty well in sin. You know, the Bible actually says that sin is desirable for a season. You know, and if you tell somebody, hey, come to Christ, he wants to make you happy. No, no, no. They're probably even more fine than you think. You know, they're going to go to a party that night. They might even invite you, you know? So <laughs> the truth is, is that there is no mention of sin, righteousness, salvation, judgment, heaven, and hell. But I want to take you guys to Hebrews. Hebrews 9, we're going to go to verse 28, 27 through 28. And it says, and just as it is appointed for a man to die once, and after that comes judgment. This is in Hebrews. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. 
So when a, when a, a person understands the consequences of breaking God's law, they will come to Jesus not just to get a better life on this earth, but for who he is and what he did on the cross. Amen. I hope this is making sense. Um, we're going to jump now into Acts 17. When you share the truth, the whole counsel of God, people realize that they're in a fallen world. People realize that the devil is real. You teach them about the spiritual world. You warn them about hell, and you teach them of the coming new kingdom, Christ returning to establish his kingdom. Amen. And that's actually what it says. It says that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached, which means people are not going to be looking for a better life on this earth. I don't know if you guys read the end of the book, but it gets really bad, really bad, like way worse than what we're experiencing right now. This is just a pawn in the final play before things get really bad. So uh, that's not to scare us. We have Christ, but the world doesn't. And you know something that's interesting? It says, in the final days, the love of many will grow cold. And the word that it uses for love is agape. That means the love of Christians will grow cold, which means that they will fall away because they came to Christ for a better life, a better flight, and not to trust in him as Lord and Savior and as the one who died for their sins. Two completely different outcomes. Amen. So let's go to Acts 17. It says, in the times of ignorance, God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Now, God is love, right? So when he commands people to repent, he's actually saying, I love you so much. Come to me so you can be saved, if that makes sense. He's not commanding, oh, you're such a sinner. God actually has already forgiven every single person on this earth. There's not one sin that's unforgivable but rejecting Christ. So ultimately, people need this conviction of sin and Jesus already paid for everybody. The, the Jew, the Muslim, the atheist, they're 100% forgiven. Jesus has already forgiven them, but they have not appropriated their forgiveness because they don't see their need for forgiveness because in their eyes, they're good. That's what happened with the, with the lawyer. Amen. So right here, it says that God commands all people everywhere to repent. Amen. And then the next verse says this, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world. Can you guys say this word right here? In righteousness by a man whom he has appointed and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So this is powerful. So we can see that the gospel, while it includes the fruit of the spirit, is primarily for righteousness, not happiness. Because you could be happy without Jesus. Honestly, I know a lot of people who seem to be doing fine, but guess what? They're not righteous. Guess what? They haven't been made right with God. Guess what? They have not had their, their, the appropriation for their sins forgiven. Guess what? They're still heading to be separated for all eternity from God. And I used to tell people, man, God has this wonderful plan for your life, but I want you to try to imagine saying that to somebody who's going to have to die if they confess Christ. So look, the same gospel that the, that the apostles preach is the same gospel that we have to preach. Amen. Amen. Proverbs 11, 4 says this. It says, riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. So righteousness is what we need to seek. That's why Jesus said, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. So it's always a matter of righteousness. Every other faith is trying to be righteous by their works. They're all trying to be righteous by works. 
Amen. So Galatians, we're going to close on this. Galatians 3.24 says this. It says, therefore, the law was our schoolmaster or our tutor to bring us to Christ so that we could be justified by faith. So the law is this diagnosis of sin. Let's say, for example, if someone has COVID and I have a cure, the person who has COVID is not going to want my cure if they don't think that they have the disease. But now if I came to them and said, hey, do you feel fever? Uh, is it hard for you to sleep? If I start naming all these symptoms and they have the symptoms, guess what? They're going to appreciate the cure. They're going to appropriate the cure. And they're going to tell everybody else about the cure. Guess what? The Ten Commandments is the ten symptoms to diagnose our need for the cure, which is the gospel. Does it make sense? I hope it's connecting. Amen. And that's why I want you guys to dive into this book. Um, and you can always reach out to me on Instagram. But look, the thing is, is that I don't always use this. There's people who are desperate for, just for hope. There's people who are just desperate for Jesus. Some people have already given up on this world. Some people just need the gospel. But for those who think that they can live their life apart from Christ and are pursuing happiness, they need to realize that there's something much more important, which is righteousness. So I want to give you guys this last example of what happened in my life. Uh, just this past week, um, I have encounters with people pretty much every day, every other day in Uber, um, they're kind of stuck with me. You know what I'm saying? Like, they already paid. They can't go nowhere. Whether they like it or not, it's on them. But I have good news. So a lot of times I get really cool responses. People let me pray for them. Some people will cry. Some people, will, you know, connect with me on Instagram. But this one dude came up to me, and he was in the back of the car. He said, hey, I like your tattoos. Are you, are you Catholic? Uh, he saw my rosary uh, tattoo. And then I was like, no, I'm actually Christian. And I was like, what do you consider yourself to be? He said, agnostic. And I was like, oh, that's cool. So I was like, if Christianity were true, would you become a Christian? And he said, well, if it was true, at that point, all he needs is evidence. You could just give him the evidence. Teach him what Jesus did on the cross. Now, if somebody says no, well, pff, you got to use the law. Amen. And that's what I did. I said, well... I said, are you familiar with the Ten Commandments? He said, yeah. I said, do you think you've kept them? He said, no. I was like, well, thank you for being honest. If God was to judge you based on the commandments, would you be innocent or guilty? He said, guilty. I said, heaven or hell? He said, hell. I said, doesn't that concern you? He said, it does. I shared the gospel with him. It makes sense. The gospel is now good news. He knows that he needs to be made right with God. Amen. Amen, amen. So there's a lot of these keys. There's actually 17 questions in the book that you can ask somebody. Amen. I love the question. If Christianity were true, would you become a Christian? If it's true, let's do it right now. Let's pray. Come on. Let's give our hearts to the Lord. It's true. Amen. Amen. So we're living in these last moments, but God is calling up a generation of overcomers. God is calling us to be this people that bring the whole counsel of God, but never ever compromise the gospel of grace never teach anybody that you could be saved by works that's the difference between using the law and legalism we don't want legalism but for those who need the gospel they need to need they need to understand their need for a savior and the world is our mission field amen i'm going to invite up the worship team right now we're actually going to set up a really cool moment of q a and uh, i'm going to hand over the mic to pastor tulio but before i just want to pray for you guys um i hope that this was just something to tease you to to show you that there's more there's an answer guess what god wants people to be saved the bible says that god desires that not a single person will perish don't you think that if god desires that not a single person will perish he would give us the keys to to reach people yeah. amen yeah. amen amen 
and the Holy Spirit. We thank you because we believe that this was a good soil for your word. Holy Spirit, I know that this is just 1%. This is just a, an eye-opening that there are ways to reach the lost, Jesus. You want us to be equipped. You want us to be ready and sharp, God, because you are coming soon, and you desire that all would be saved, Jesus. So use us. Use us as a generation that does not compromise the goodness of God, that does not compromise the price that you paid, that does not compromise the finished work of the cross, but that trusts in you to use us, to flow through us, God. We love you, Jesus. I bless my brothers and sisters. We thank you, God, because you're going to continue to do amazing things throughout this day for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.